So this is me, Paul Dr. Nacho, talking with the awesome Dr. Carly. She's telling our newest team members, well, uh, some have been here for a little while, but some are, are, are new, her story. So Carly, tell us your Nacho story. Yeah, so I moved to Philadelphia in 2019, and a colleague... Ran... And I'm going to interject with good ideas, I don't interrupt. <laughs> our, our theme is ABC to FLA, always be connecting to feel less alone. Because of her amazing friend, one of my favorite people, who's so Paul and so outgoing and literally landed on a plane from Europe and went to the new Dennis Boost Camp yes. 1, and people like Carly need friends like this, who is that person? Ashley Dawson, Dr. Dawson. Um, I, I didn't know anyone in Philly, and Ashley was like, you have to meet Paul Goodman from Dental Nachos. So I set up a meeting with Paul, and ever since that moment, my life just really like flourished from meeting people, connecting with um, other dentists, and then finding um, jobs. Maybe help so, you feel less alone. Less, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I, I did not know anyone. So Now, to deepen the context so you guys can understand a little bit about what faces the newer generation of dentists, when did you graduate from dental school, Carly? Uh, 2015. 2015, and tell them about your general practice residency experience. Um, I did uh, actually two years. I did one year. GPR, and then I stayed on as chief resident for a second year. It was the best thing that I could have done. And I did that too. So the extra training is awesome. But you worked, I actually forget this part. Where did you work before you moved here? Like what town? Yes, um, I worked in Binghamton, New York for a year, but I was living in New York City at the same time. So I would take the Greyhound bus from Brooklyn to Binghamton. Um, stayed there about a year. And what motivated you to leave what was a fairly solid associate position to come to Philadelphia? Like what? Like why did you leave that area to come here? Why'd you move? Oh, from New York City? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was working like three different jobs in different boroughs. I could not find a full-time job. It was the pay was really horrible. So one of the things I want to share with you guys is, um, when you have a child, people go, oh, you're so lucky to have this baby. So I say mom, but it actually is really, really demoralizing at times. It's exhausting. And people think, oh, you did this thing. You should be happy. And you're like, I am happy, but it's harder than I thought. Would you yeah. say that being a new dentist is like that? A hundred percent. They did not prepare you for any of that. Um, after graduation, you're just kind of like, all right, good luck. And so I'm applying for jobs. I'm like, this can't be real. <laughs> it really can't. Um, so... In my opinion, I think that what Dr. Goodman is doing with dental nachos, it's the only thing that I found out there that was really helpful in like- And in sharing the reality, I mean, you can look at this as a scam, you can look at this as misleading, you can look at this as they don't have the right people, but dental students are signing up to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a degree and getting zero skills in how to go and utilize that degree after dental school. To a, that's irresponsible at best, toxic at worst. So Carly came and came to a, like a, there's a place like a WeWork that was called Industrious where we originally had just two people working here. Mm-hmm. Now you're at our facility where we have like 10 people, maybe yeah. one day we'll have 100. Wild. So you sat at a table just like this and you said you needed a job. Yep. And what did we do for you? You gave me options. You were like, I remember, I remember really well how you, you had a little white piece of paper <laughs> and you were like, here are your options. And you were very like, open with each opportunity, the pros and the cons. 
and you gave me all the information and helped me make a decision. And that's really how you help people make decisions, whether it's your dental patient or this, it make them feel like, here's a menu of what you can do. You can go to Barclay Prime and eat, it's gonna be very expensive. You can go to Chipotle and have lunch, it's gonna be like this, and you decide what fits best in your life. So tell us a little about in an evergreen way, you don't have to name the exact names, what were your types of jobs in Philly? I actually don't remember all of them. I know one main one for a DSL, but what were yeah. some of your other, what were some of your, um, did you private practice, you DSL? I did, I did a private practice and a DSL. And what would you say if someone was listening to this now or in the future, and we're doing this next week at our event, I'm a big fan of both, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm a big fan of and, not or. So there are corporate restaurants in Philadelphia one of them I go to frequently is Shake Shack. Mm-hmm. I go with, them with my daughters. It's very predictable. There's good customer service, and I know exactly what I'm getting. And then sometimes I go to Village Whiskey or The Good Dog, which is maybe smaller owned burger places that come with different expectations. Uh, this could be a similar to a DSO and private practice type of example. What are some things that a dentist like you should, someone in your shoes now, what would you want them to know about DSOs or private practices? as an associate yeah so I think that for a DSO it's pretty much laid out for you like the benefits they typically will have the patient pull for you most of the time private practice I felt like this particular office I don't think they were quite ready for an associate so it was just a lot of downtime just sitting around um, not really having you know the mentorship that I thought I was going to have versus so that was a shock I thought I was always like against DSOs thinking a private practice would be like a hundred percent like magical for me and it was the complete opposite in that situation then when I joined the DSO this this specific DSO I got mentorship they paid for training they connected me with actually like dental nachos like um courses so that was a great experience yeah so the I really good appreciate you sharing in an authentic way DSOs tend to have systems in place because they are like corporate restaurants where if they don't have these systems in place the whole thing shuts down if you're going to see the private practice panel and I made a, I made a good um post the other day why do more DSOs go out of business than private practices? The reason is sometimes DSOs don't know what they're getting into when they do dentistry, and sometimes they don't know how to get the dentist, so they kind of take their ball and go home and say, we're done with this investment. A private practice restaurant is kind of like a mom and pop restaurant. Are you successful as a private practice dentist in a yes or no if you make $80,000 a year running that practice? The answer is yes, right? The answer is you are not losing money. The private practice people you will see today are all making well over $250,000 a year as private practice owners. So they're kind of ultra successful. But when you are the owner operator of a place, you can make $75,000, you make $500,000. And there's not often room for other dentists to participate in your game. So that's what Carly experienced. DSOs often have a setup for patient success. Now, the DSOs don't come without any challenges either. Sometimes, just like we saw in that webinar yesterday, we had an HR person from DSO. They have mismanaged, they mismanage expectations of how the team needs to interact with the associate. Sometimes it's a bit like a Wizard of Oz, like you can't talk to the boss, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you get these things come down through emails of mm-hmm. like, this is the way we're gonna do things. And just to give you guys an example as we're sitting here, and this could happen to our company one day if it grows. 
you could be here and be like, we're never getting those cold brews again. We're never getting them again. Get something different. And even though like on its head, there's really no real like big deal. It's a big deal to you. Like, cause you always bring these cold brews out. And you're like, why did corporate decide we can't have Kirkland anymore? Maybe it was a good decision. Maybe I waste money on these. Maybe I spend like $4 per cold brew as private practice dental nachos owner. Currently, dental nachos doesn't have any investors in it, so it's a private practice company. Maybe some company one day will invest in us and say, hey, you know, I saw your cold brew expense and it's like $4,000 a quarter. And you know you can get it for like $2,000 a quarter. And it's gonna be similar cold brew. I don't have the time to say, hey, Greg, is that okay with you? Is that okay with you? But it's disruptive. The thing for dentists, we are handcrafting stuff in people's mouths. Would you say either through your friends, like sometimes changes through DSOs can impact patient care in a problematic way? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. And they, they're sort of just like, just use this other tool. Why don't you just use this other tool? Because many times, I mean, it, on a, I'll say this at the event, there are a lot of non-dentists involved in what dentists do, right? Yep. And they don't really know what dentists do. They might guess, and the good ones have leaders, and the good ones have clinical directors. So the thing that's like uh, laughable to me for dentists, because they're dramatic, is that if there weren't DSOs, new dentists would be unemployed. Mm -hmm. They would not have jobs. Mm -hmm. So watch this, and you, Greg, is really great with fitness and stuff, Carly. If I couldn't eat lunch today, or I could eat at Shake Shack, would you recommend I not have lunch and starve, or would you say go to Shake Shack and make the best decision? Shake Shack, best decision. It's not even totally fair to compare DSO to fast food, but at least I'm comparing it to a corporate-style place. We're going to go to Elvez for lunch, which is corporate ties to some degree, but not corporate the way Chipotle is. Chipotle has a bigger P&L than Steven Starr. So these are all the things facing our profession without any knowledge of the dental student, right? Mm -hmm. You are blissfully unaware. Actually, have you guys ever seen the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? It's a really great show. They're, it's Elle Fanning from Bridesmaids and they like, she's from the Midwest and they like, it, the beginning part is kind of distasteful. They like, what do they have her in like some sort of like encampment or yeah. like, like keep her under the ground or something? Somewhere, something, something similar to that. It's been a years since Yeah, so she like breaks free and goes to New York City mm-hmm. from the Midwest where she was like, and it's she like her and like she, and she like learns how the real world works the hard way. And if she doesn't have somebody watching out for her, problems happen. So have you seen new dentists without people watching out for them having a lot of problems? What are some of the problems your friends have encountered? Oh my gosh. I just think that what I see over and over again is that dental students are really excited to graduate and they think that their life is going to be better once they're out of dental school. They're like, I just have to get out of this. It's going to be so much better. And then they start looking for jobs and trying to make connections and I see people like regret like going through all the training and then they start questioning. Like I just spent 10 plus years training and now I can't find a job. I can't find a community to connect with and they're just kind of left yeah. alone. Kira Dent talks about this a lot. She at Boostcamp for our customer service. When it, and it, it's not, the, the concept itself isn't groundbreaking, but the way she does it for your office, like when expectations are not met with people in your office, they get very upset. So these people, like you said, they're excited to graduate from dental school. They say, oh, it's going to be great. And they find out it is the proverbial Wild West. Nobody really cares about you. And there's a huge loneliness factor that people don't talk about. Uh, Because I cannot really commiserate with either of you, anyone at this table, about how difficult it was to deal with Daphne and Drew this morning. Like, it wasn't an easy morning for me. 
So I can just be like, hey guys, it wasn't an easy morning because like Daphne didn't want to wear this thing and Drew refused to get out of her PJs. And the three of you are like, I totally can understand this with a working brain, but you can't feel it. Mm-hmm. You can't. You don't have children doing that. Mm-hmm. And even for me, when I'm there 18 and 14, I'm just going to remember that as a young parent. So what happens is these dental school students, these new, they feel gaslighted mm-hmm. because they feel like, oh, you should be happy. This should be great. Just work anywhere. So then Carly, I, this part I want to get to in your story. So you do this one magical thing. You did New Dance Boost Camp. You go to my first sleep apnea course. So what I do a lot of is my first everything. My first practice sale, my first sleep apnea, my first implant. I love being that person for the dental community. We used to do a lot of implant courses. It just became challenging to do this in the Northeast, but we did my first implant. And then I, if you wanna go on and do more, go on and do more, right? So I did this in my first sleep apnea. So everyone can get a fun taste test of sleep apnea and leave with how to screen patients, mm-hmm. how to do things. So tell them about that course and how it transformed your life. Oh my gosh, it was life-changing. And I really mean that because I remember sitting in the front, listening to Dr. Ryan Robinson just lecture and something inside of me just snapped. I was like, this is what I want to focus on. This is it. This is the moment I've been waiting for in dentistry that made me excited. So we spent the weekend with this course it ended i went back to the practice my practice that i was at and i just dove in and i did that you know within a dso that i was working with i actually started and i want to inject you give carly a lot of credit and i think a lot of it's due to her training as a gpr uh chief resident dentists who make good decisions gary v talked about this all the time there's someone right now who hates their job in hr and they want to start a company selling painted fabric eggs Smart people don't quit their job and try to sell eggs. Smart people say, I'm going to do this on the weekend. Smart people say, I'm going to do this at night. So what you did well, Carly, was you didn't immediately quit general dentistry. You said, let me see how I can apply this to my everyday life. So how are you applying this to every life? What kind of impact did that have on your morale and your patients? Yeah, so I wanted to implement it in my office, but I worked for a DSO. So I went to the CEO and I said, I want to do this. How can I do this in my practice? He's like, if you can implement it, within the company, the organization, you know, we can do like a program. So I started a sleep apnea program within a DSO, which was wild. So I did that for two years, got my training, but I was still wanting to get out of the DSO world. So I remembered that lecture that Dr. Goodman and Dental Nachos gave a few years prior. I found Ryan Robinson online, called his office, asked him if I could come for a meeting. Then it was, it was it. And then yeah. just for the context for Ryan, Ryan is somebody, so this is how the whole thing, it's like the six degrees of Paul Kevin Bacon. And of course this story, if people are listening to it, it's not really for me to brag about myself, it's for me to hopefully inspire other people to this. So in 2014, I went to Delaware to give an implant course and I sat with 20 people and I always give the nine words to millions of dollars. Say this to your patients about missing teeth and they will chew and smile with confidence. That's number one, always help the patient and then be proud to sell help. So we're here, the dental notch is supreme, you're wearing it. Does, if it doesn't help, it doesn't matter, right? So it helps. We've created something that people can watch on their phone. Carly watched it for free to learn. Then they can become a member for what feels like at the time of this recording, 400 bucks a year. So we should be very proud to sell it. First, if it doesn't help, it doesn't matter, be proud to sell it. So back to Ryan, 2014, never met this guy. I'm standing there, I've given this lecture hundreds of times to thousands of dentists and he came back uh, like a month later, he's like, you know, my pa- Paul, 
uh, my team keeps saying to me, how are you getting all these people to say yes to dental implants? And I just tell them, I say what Paul told me to say. So my trust factor with Ryan was I kind of transformed his way of talking to patients. And then he's done so many amazing things from creating multiple offices, an entire pain and sleep center, uh, focusing on sleep apnea, growing there. And what happens is just like you're sitting here at this company, back in 2018, it was just me and two people. Now it's me and 15 people. Probably in five years, it's gonna be zeros on the end of that, which is great. If it doesn't happen, that's okay too. But Ryan's very much like me, always wanting to grow and include people into his organization. So tell us a little bit about how that started working with him. Yeah, so I, um, after I went to his office and we, we you know, spoke for a little bit, we decided to kind of move forward. I got my Delaware license. I started working with him in Delaware. And then we decided to grow a second pain and sleep location in the mainline area in Bryn, Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. Um, so that happened like within a year of meeting. Yeah. So wow. it was very, very quick. And, yeah. and you, you chose the meeting. Like you. Yeah, yeah. Carly did it with you. She kindly annoyed Ryan to come and show up. Just show up. <laughs> I did. And go out of your comfort there. zone. Yeah. And you created that partnership. Like you created yeah. this far. Yep. And I committed every. Just by going after it. Absolutely. I worked full time on Fridays. I did not work. I went to his office and I shadowed him until I got my license, until I was able to actually work on patients. So I dedicated every one, one day a week. And what Carly's is, and it's not a male or female thing, a young dentist or old dentist thing, it's a person who's willing to go out of their comfort zone and call someone up and say, hey, can I work at this, can I come and observe you? Yeah. With Carly's, I mean, really the person who deserves the most credit here is Ashley Dawson, hopefully she listens to this, because <laughs> Ashley Dawson came to New Dentist Boost Camp 1, yes. and she was the one who really went out of her comfort zone, because I was like, Absolutely. hey, I want to do this thing where I bring dentists from across the country for $3,000 for a weekend, and those 20 people who signed up, and some of them are coming this weekend, they're all amazing people because they had to take a big chance. I mean, they, they won tremendously on what they learned at that boost camp, right? I knew they were going to win tremendously. They did just have to take, you know, a leap of faith and say, hey, I'm going to fly to Philadelphia and do this. And Ashley did that. And in her story, I mean, she's had her own road where she now has opened up her own startup practice through the sponsor that she met at New Dennis mm -hmm. Boost Camp, Ideal Practices. So I think... What dentists don't do well, Carly, is they like to say, if I take the cat out of a tooth, I'll put a filling in, it's predictable. The business world's unpredictable, right? Totally. I'm learning that right now. Yeah. So. You've got to show up mm -hmm. without expectations. Mm -hmm. You've got to go to 15 things with zero uh, good things coming. That mm -hmm. one out of 16 thing matters. It's a very Gary Vee thing. And really, honestly, Carly, and I hope people hear this someday, if you don't want to do this, you shouldn't be a dentist. Because yes. there's other careers where you don't have to do this mm -hmm. and you can be successful. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to knock on Ryan Robinson's door. You don't have to land from a plane and go to New Dennis Boost Camp. What we're going to talk about today for Carly for improving, enhancing how she presents her awesomeness to the community. You don't have to do that. You can make good money not doing it, but it's not in dentistry. Mm -hmm. Because that's what they really don't tell dental, dental students. To be successful as a dentist, it takes a tremendous... These two polarizations come with judgment, and we should come up with new names for them, but extrovert and introvert. They kind of say, oh, introverts are just quiet and keep in the corner. They have their own strengths, introvert, right? I'm clearly an extrovert. But in this game, if it's basketball, dentistry's basketball, the extroverts have the skills to be successful. 
because they have the skills to knock on doors, they have the skills to talk to patients, and it is really painful to people who have more classic introverts who get upset if people don't say yes to their treatment, who get frustrated. And that's what they should tell young dentists, so they choose a different career. Or if they choose this career, I mean, you could say this, if you didn't meet Ryan and all this stuff, do you think you'd be happy just doing general dentistry no. in a DSO or private practice? No, I would not. And tell them why, even though, it doesn't mean you hate it. No. Not being happy doesn't mean hate. Dentists are so, but why would you say, man, I don't know if I really picked the right thing for my 30 year career, if I'm gonna do single teeth implants and crowns and this for the next 30 years. What, what was it in you? Without judgment, but just more of your story. Um, yeah, so I didn't like hate general dentistry. Um, I just like to talk to my patients a lot. Yeah. So I felt like I like to hear their story and I like, you know, I, it was just nice for me to look at someone more of like holistic approach of like, you know, trying to figure out why does someone have joint problems, TMJ issues, right? Instead of just it's also the impact that you make. I always say this, I'll say this quickly, like, you know, the things that we do, this full contact arts and crafts, I guess how many times people have thanked me for a filling trick question zero times, right? So <laughs> the things that you do with some of these transformative things, and we had a, we had a sleep apnea dentist come to our office. He's like, I was a dentist for 35 years. I didn't sleep apnea for five years. And people have said, you've saved my life, you saved my marriage, you've done all these things, and it just makes me feel really good about myself. And I mean, I, I, she put it on her Instagram story, but we won't say her name, but I know you treated a dentist recently, right? Who I really like a lot. I don't know, never met her in person. So just so our people know, what does the impact of identifying sleep-related challenges do for people? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, just, you know, so every um, age range or, you know, either female or male, it presents in different ways, right? So what I see a lot right now currently is a huge population of young, healthy females that suffer from headaches and migraines or just they're, they're not breathing well, right? So when they come to my practice, the stories that I'm getting after treatment, like it's actually life changing for them. So it can affect people just you know, living with headaches all day, every day, um, pain in their face, pain in their jaws, they just can't chew, they can't open, they feel tired, they, they just feel like this is just how they're gonna live for the rest of their life when they don't really, because they're sleeping at night, right? So they, a lot of people don't know that it is a nighttime related issue until you start asking specific questions and start finding the root cause of the problem. So it's not just about do you snore, because a lot of these patients don't snore, right? But when you start to ask other questions, you know, it starts to make sense or, you know, it's not a certain body type that has to have a sleep issue, right? It could be nasal obstruction. That could be the root cause of a lot of their pain and discomfort. And what I want to thank them for is because I, I, just because you're in a field like dentistry doesn't mean you know everything about dentistry, right? So I don't really know that much about taking out wisdom teeth. I know should refer to an oral surgeon. I know 20 years ago I did some. I don't really know that much about root canals. I know refer to an endodontist. I know they look for MB2. But it's interesting. Dentists have really embraced sleep. Yes. I think it's just because we work with inside the mouth. But it doesn't really have a tremendous amount to do with fillings or root canals or things mm -hmm. like that. Because I have a four-year-old and I'm taking her to see Carly because I know something's wrong. Mm -hmm. 
and I would have never known this without the Ryan Roberts league. I just think, oh, my one four-year-old snores, mm-hmm. and my other, my other daughter didn't, and I guess this is how it is. But like, I hear her gasp for breath, and I saw Ryan Robinson's video of his child. Mm-hmm. So I'm always a big fan of like, find out what's possible, and make sure you don't have a big problem with someone that you care about. Mm-hmm. And that's what you guys do for people. Mm-hmm. I will never forget when we had the sleep apnea dentist the very first, I, so I thought sleep apnea was a total scam, but since I'm a normal person, I keep it in my head, right? So in my head, I'm just like, oh, this is a freaking scam. I see these people, they're probably just trying to make money, but I never verbalized this. It was just the judgment I had in my head, but mm-hmm. having that judgment made me not the best provider. A lot of this, a lot of this has transformed over the past 10 years. So when I met, this uh, Dr. David Slobodinsky, he told me about it. I said, okay, come to our office. Let's see what happens. Probably still a scam, uh, but I'll see what happens, right? You know, uh, and what's funny, we sent out a message to all of our patients for free consults and like three of them booked immediately. And then this one woman came with her partner and I knew both of them. And I see the woman going back for the sleep apnea consult and then I see her partner trailing her and I go, what are you doing here? She goes, I'm gonna make sure this B-I-T-C-H gets this because she freaking snoring all night and I got to sleep with her. And it really opened up my eyes to see how, uh, how painful this was to people. Mm-hmm. Then we had someone who looked like me, you know, not that I'm in the best shape, who was the um, office manager's like family member mm-hmm. who couldn't sleep with his wife and wears his appliance. Then we got these amazing Testimonials. One of them was so great, which was like, she was like, I didn't know I was such a, I, I didn't, I, it was a more colorful language, but I didn't know I was such a difficult person to deal with until I got this. Mm-hmm. But you don't see the thing with this stuff, it has, it has a lot to, I actually compare a lot to mental health things, which is really transformed. Mm-hmm. It's because people can't see it mm-hmm. and people kind of think you're making it up mm-hmm. and then people feel judge you for it, right? You're just tired because you don't sleep well or, and, um, I think, you know, you can say, I just think we're in an infancy of what we can do for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's with working with other providers as well, right? I always say it's not just about the oral appliance. It's about, like, there's other things that could be happening um, in conjunction with an oral appliance therapy. But it's about forming a community with other healthcare providers to, you know, make the best for all of our patients, so. And help each other out because some of these problems, like when we went to Ryan's course uh, that we had sponsored, it was great, his patient was there. And I mean, uh, this happens in the pain world a lot where they make the patient think they're crazy, they send them around to all these different people, all these different providers, they question their own sanity until they got to someone like Dr. Ryan, who's given him like, I mean, honestly, pretty much give people like a whole new, that quote, like lease on life, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in the the TMJ world that a lot of people will say that they're nuts, right? Yeah. But nuts, not understanding their symptoms. Yeah, I like that. You know, wow. so that's got that. From and we've seen Dr. this, Brian Robinson. Yeah, I love that. That's <laughs> like, we've seen this with um, you know, I'm a kid of the '80s, right? Like the kid who couldn't pay attention. We just thought they were a bad kid, but we have ADHD now, right? And now it's like you feel bad that we treated these people this way. You know, we're doing something right now that's. 30 years from now, like, I can't believe you treated the people way back in 2022. Everyone always thinks they're sophisticated at the time. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's awesome. Well, Carly, as we wrap up, I want you to tell us a couple of things. Yeah. One, if people want to find, because I'm going to turn this into a podcast, uh, <laughs> what is the best way for them to visit your place in Bryn Mawr? What is the best website for them to go to? So, um, canandsleeptherapycenter.com. And, have- and tell me, what's your full name? Oh, Carly Marie Jacobs. Yeah, Carly Marie <laughs> Jacobs. And... This is what I always think is, this is what I say is really valuable to people in life. 
If you say to a dentist who's 60 and you're younger and want to be a dentist, should I become a dentist? Do you think it's a good idea to become a dentist? You've set yourself up for a bad answer because what that person has to do without knowing you is go, do I tell Andrew the truth or do I just make this young kid feel good in the moment and not annoy myself? Mm -hmm. I mean, go become a dentist. It's great. Mm -hmm. What you should ask people is, and Lincoln Harris has helped me with this is, what would you have done different in your journey? And that could be, I wish I did a GPR. That could be, I wish I never bought a practice. That could be, I wish I never became a dentist. It doesn't have to be dramatic, but it's a really good question. So since you're a 2015 grad, and I'm a 2002 grad, they think of me as way older than you, Carly. If someone was about to graduate and say, hey, I'm listening to this, what do you wish you did different? What do you think you wish adjusted you talked about the same things. Pay attention, meet people, get Ashley's, pay attention to dental nachos, go out of your comfort zone. Those are all the things that I would say to keep doing. Is there anything along your journey that you'd say, hey, watch out for this? I wish I'd watched out for this more. It could be from contracts with attorneys. It could be small, medium, or large. I always just like something like that. Yeah. So just the one thing that I never did, and I wish I did when I first started, is have a lawyer review your contract. <laughs> I always thought that I could just do it myself because it was just an associate contract. You, I, 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 there's a couple of things I wish I would have yeah. and had reviewed. Yeah. There's only two reasons dentists do that. It's uh, not knowing an attorney or being very cheap. And yes. since we know an attorney yes. well that we can connect people to. Absolutely. And dentists make really weird decisions. You're actually going to see this next week. So Carly might have signed a contract at a 90-day termination notice or a 60-day termination notice. In the game of business of dentistry, Kind of a small thing, okay? Probably annoyed her, maybe got lost some money, okay? Maybe lost some money, you definitely should do it. It can have big impact, like if you sign a restrictive covenant and you can't buy a practice somewhere. The 50-year-olds that you see next week, a DSO will go, hey, I wanna buy your practice, Dr. Andrew. Here's a, here's a agreement, I'm gonna pay you $2 million. Do you wanna sign it? Some of those people don't hire attorneys and they literally ruin their life's work. So it's such a good point that every age or stage, pay someone who does what they do every day to help you fix a problem. Pay someone who does what they do. Why do you think young dentists don't do it? Are they afraid? Are they cheap? Are they all the above? Um, well, for me, I think it was kind of presented up to me as it's just a very simple contract. Like who gave yeah. the person who gave it to me. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm new. Like yeah. it looks That fine. part's a problem too, because this is what I said to the residents yeah. yesterday, Carly. And I don't say this to anyone here who works at Indian companies. Some of the, you know what's kind of cool about Dental Notches and Dentist Job Connect? Like, if you didn't want to work here anymore, Greg, you're just like, hey, I don't want to work here anymore. I can't be like, you got to stay here for 90 days till we find a new Greg, or I'm going to charge you $1,000 a day. You know they do that for dentists because it's a licensed healthcare job. So our jobs, of course, it's polite for people to give two weeks notice or four weeks notice. But there's not really much I can do as the employer if someone wants to stop working. But as freaking in the DSOs, there's a lot they can do. A lot they can do. And it's so problematic when the employer says, just sign this. You know what I said to the residents? If Carly was, I would say this. Hey, Dr. Carly, come work for Pennington Dental Associates. We have two offices. We've got a lot of associates. Here's your contract. Go take it to an attorney because I want to make sure you know what you're signing so you feel good about this and it fits for you. How would that make you feel as a new dentist? Amazing. Yeah. And because I want new... What attorneys really do is make people aware of what they're signing. It's not like some 
few good men negotiation for an associate. They just go, see here, Dr. Young Carly, this is liquidated damages. If you leave this place and they're this, they might charge you $1,000 a day. Are you comfortable with that? See this five-mile restrictive covenant? I know you think you're never going to work in Ballot-Kinwood, but lives change and you might work near Ballot-Kinwood. So that's such a good point that we should really reiterate. And you guys can utilize that for one of your question boxes, what you wish you did sooner. Mm -hmm. Well, Carly, this is awesome. Greg or Andrew, any questions for Carly before we wrap up? Uh, not at the moment, but I'm definitely curious uh, if I have a problem as my girlfriend kicked me out of the bed last night for my snoring. Come yeah. see me. <laughs> yeah, it's a common thing. Greg, how about you? I love everything I heard. Thank Holistic you. approach. Yeah. Awesome. Great job, guys. Good job.